Thank you, Hal, and welcome to our second service today as we anticipate Thanksgiving. And so we will, I'm going to dedicate some time to gratitude and understanding gratitude. Uh, I've been asked a question or two as whether we're finished with Acts, and the answer is no, we're not. We're not quite finished with Acts. We have a little more to do. As a matter of fact, we got lost in the kingdom of God, uh, which is not probably a bad place to be lost. But we will return to Acts here as soon as some of these important topics uh, can be addressed. So, And one of the important topics that needs to be addressed, uh, Hal's mentioned that our New Year's Eve uh, celebration, as I like to refer to it, is going to focus on our military. And when I say our military, I mean your military family. So um, what we're going to do is ask you if you have pictures of members of the family, ancient, current. Um, We would like to put together a slideshow of those pictures. And if you have some anecdotes about, you know, a father or a mother or a brother or sister or an uncle or a friend, I suppose you could say, or children that you would like to uh, share with the congregation, that's what we would like to do. So uh, instead of having uh, an outside speaker, we are going to ply on you, give you the opportunity to talk about something that you love and is close to you, and that would be um, somewhat in your family. And we'll just be anxious to hear that. For me, you know, I, my father and mother and two uncles that were involved in World War II, and I have a, uh, a great uncle who was involved in World War I, so I don't know that I, have, I can cover all of those. Matter of fact, I may have to cover them first before we get there. But anyhow, that's uh, what we hope to do. Anyhow, welcome to our second service here in the National Capital Bible Church. In Lamentations 3.21, we see, This I recall to mind, therefore I have hope. The Lord's loving kindness never ceases, because his compassions never fail. They are new every morning, fresh every morning. always think of that fresh... Fresh bread every morning, fresh manna every morning is really the the subject here. Great is thy faithfulness, is your faithfulness. Or really the other way that that can be translated, and I'd like to do this, is abundant. His provisions every morning are not just great, they're abundant. So, and that's what we saw with the manna that came every morning. It was more than they could eat. Weren't allowed to take more than one day, but it was more than sufficient for them for that day. And God's provisions for us are more than sufficient for us, even though we think it's insufficient. It's not. We have a few seconds now for our personal spiritual preparation, confession of sins, and preparing ourselves for the study of the Word of God, as well as singing and prayer and Uh, many other parts of this worship service. And there are many facets of worshiping the Lord. Let's take a few seconds of closing our eyes and bowing our heads, and then I'll open us in prayer.
Dear Heavenly Father, we're thankful that we have a holiday for Thanksgiving. We pray that we would remember the original purpose of Thanksgiving and to whom we should truly be thankful. We are at this point also thankful, Father, for the way that you've blessed us. And it's our opportunity to respond in love. Your gifts, your provisions, your blessings upon us should elicit a response. And that response is in our giving, supporting your ministries. So we pray, Father, that you would help us to give from the standpoint of a willing, of a grace-oriented heart. And we ask your blessings not only upon the service, but also upon the offering. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, that ensures that that song will be in my mind for at least another week. One of my many favorites. I think I've told you that um, when I was going through seminary, it seemed like as anyone who may be in a graduate program, there's just not enough hours in the day. And so you have to steal them from the night. And it would often be very late at night when I was going to bed. And really after uh, focusing and um, intensely studying, it's as anyone who knows anything about sleep, you might be tired, but it takes a while for your, your mind to to slow down it's geared up and sometimes it's you don't drop off to sleep right away other times of course you're asleep before you get up the stairs you're stumbling up but uh, i remember i would i I had a hymn hymnal up by my bedside stand and i would open it and sing a couple songs now i have no idea if my neighbors could hear me uh, in the night, but it would sometimes be the wee hours of the morning, and I would be singing songs such as uh, We Gather Together and many other songs as well that were my favorite, and that would very often relax me and I'd go right to sleep. Um, but I don't want you to go to sleep this morning. Um, as a matter of fact, I hope you enjoyed these Thanksgiving songs, songs of Thanksgiving. Because if I'm not mistaken, next week is it Christmas songs. Hal tells me that uh, we have so many Christmas songs that we just can't wait. And so if you're anticipating waiting, uh, (laughs) you've got a week. All right. Our... uh, Our subject for this second service is going to be focused on Thanksgiving. And there are many passages in the Bible that we could use. We could turn to many. And we are going to see some this morning. But let's turn to Psalm 100. It is a well-known passage. Psalm 100. Psalm 100. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Uh, the word, there are several different words for thanksgiving 
in the Old Testament. Tada is one of them for Thanksgiving. Um, here we are simply making a joyful noise, shouting to the Lord. And it is this, the sense of raising a joyful shout to the Lord. And so in our singing, very often, those songs are designed to truly voice our joy and our, our thanksgiving to the Lord. But this is, make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. And, of course, it's using lands here not necessarily to mean the earth, but we do often see that the earth is... Uh, enjoined to respond to the Creator this way. But this, of course, has probably the sense of the people in these lands. Verse 2, serve the Lord with gladness. And our word here for serve is avav, that's a Hebrew word avav. And it is the, the basic term for service. So serve the Lord with gladness or with rejoicing or with joy. And avav is also in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew Scriptures, periodically um, translated worship. And so we, we can also uh, exchange here, not only serve, but worship the Lord with gladness and joy. And there's an interesting concept that goes with that exchange. Serving is worshiping. Serving is worshiping. And so, we should serve. And we should serve with gladness because in our serving we are worshiping. It is part of our worship. It's part of our worship service. Come before his presence with singing, with shouts of joy. When we get to heaven, that's what we're going to see. We're going to see and realize that the angels shout with joy. There is joy amongst the elect angels. Uh, one of the first times that we see the angels in the New Testament, they are singing with joy over the birth of the Christ child. And we've, we've studied that. So this is something that's joyful and it's, it, uh, it propels us to shout, to exhibit the joy that we have. Know the Lord, He is God. Maybe a better translation here is acknowledge. Acknowledge the Lord. He, God, He is God ellipsis there there's no verb it's very emphatic it is he who made us and we and there's a, the text here is uncertain the manuscripts uh, as to whether this is not we ourselves or possibly we belong to him and so that's a fairly significant change well sometimes the manuscripts are um, are strongly in support on both sides of one reading or another. And I think here, it is he who has made us and we belong to him 
is a better sense. I don't think the uh, negative is there. We are his people and the sheep of his pastors. Therefore, you can see the, uh, the corollary that's within that verse. We belong to him. We are his people and the sheep of his pastor, pasture. God provides. God cares for his own. He cares for his sheep. So we have this metaphor of the shepherd. Four, enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Toda is our word here for thanksgiving. Uh, and into his courts. Um, the idea of courts here is, we might say, settlements or his village. Uh, enter into his abode is another way of saying this. With praise, uh, a song of praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. The the phrase, the verb here to be thankful is an imperative. So some people might think, well, you know, this is sort of a, an elective thing. It's something that we can do, something we're invited to do. No, this is an imperative. And not only is it imperative, but it's in the hifel, which means we are caused. There's a, there's a causative sense to this. It's very forceful. So the imperative says, be thankful to him or give praise to him and bless his name. Um, the idea, again, is that because of who God is, because of the impact in our lives, because of what he has done for us, we are compelled to give praise. We can't avoid it. We're forced to do it. For the Lord is good. <clears throat> this is an acknowledgement of God's character. We could say it's, he's proper, he's beneficial, right, but good. Kind of a worn out word in the English, English language. But for the Lord is good. He is the provider. His mercy is everlasting. This is a very familiar Hebrew word, chesed. Chesed meaning that he, his uh, loyalty, his covenant faithfulness. When the Lord makes a promise, when he makes a covenant with someone, it will stand. The Lord keeps his word. So, his mercy, his covenant faithfulness, is everlasting. It's eternal. We will never lose that. And his truth to all generations endures. Uh, we can count on it. He's faithful. Uh, the truth here, uh, Amen, is the idea of uh, firmness, completeness, uh, truthfulness. And so that's how we understand this truthfulness. So, the Lord is good. He's beneficial. He's in His provision. His covenant faithfulness is everlasting. And His truth, uh, His faithfulness endures to all generations. This is an absolutely, uh, again, remarkable passage. And it's uh, certainly worthy of our thanksgiving, our uh, opening passage here. Let's bow our heads for just a moment. Dearly Father, we are thankful for our text of Scripture, for the, the mind of Christ here, the Word of God. We're 
We're thankful that it leads us, it guides us, it directs us, it teaches us how we should worship, how we should serve. It should be joyful for many reasons, but certainly your provisions for us are everlasting. And not only are they everlasting, but as we've said, they are certainly beneficial and sufficient beyond what we could ask or think. We, we ask for your provision and your blessing upon our, um, our study now of the Word of God and the principles of thanksgiving. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, you have in front of you, hopefully, a special bulletin. and We like to do this because uh, it doesn't s- simply orient the service, but I'm, I'm hoping that it adds to your uh, reservoir of knowledge and also, and, and as it adds to your reservoir of knowledge, maybe even pique your interest. But it's also given for parents so that they can um, use this for their children. It's a source of information for them to talk to them about a, a special event because often today we don't receive the truth about Thanksgiving. And there are many other things that are going on. I can tell you that uh, the fact that the first Thanksgiving, as we see the first Thanksgiving, that occurs in 1621 with the pilgrims, there were other Thanksgivings. As a matter of fact, there are claims on other dates and other times, some as far as the West Coast, some uh, down in Texas, every place else, there are claims on the first Thanksgiving. But, This is the one that we uh, normally select as the Thanksgiving that we celebrate. And it was, their celebration was a Thanksgiving to God. It wasn't just how lucky we are or we're thanking the good earth or we're thanking the Indians. No, they were thanking God for provisions that came from the earth and from their, uh, the freedom that they had in the new world for their trip to the new world and for everything that God provided them through the hardships, and they certainly went through many hardships. Um, This initially was celebrated, and it was sufficiently understood up through the uh, Declaration of Independence. One of the things that we don't realize is that during the war, the British actually stole, I guess that's the best way to say it, confiscated a lot of information as they were trying to determine what was happening within the colonies so that they could more easily defeat the colonies. And much of the history that we knew about the pilgrims was uh, was confiscated and taken back to England. And it wasn't until about 1854 that it was discovered in England and brought back to the United States. So much of the history, there was a, a gap there for a while. But we still had presidents who would declare days of thanksgiving, praise, prayer, and fasting uh, during that period of time. It was just simply we had a gap of information on what had happened in 1861 or 1621. So uh, I'd like to thank Kathy Haley for putting this uh, together. Also, I guess we could thank the Family Research Council because the inside of the bulletin uh, was something that they sent out and it was 
I thought it was well done, and so we simply used this. But I want to thank Kathy for the the wonderful um, front cover here. Thanksgiving Day, 2013, National Capital Bible Church. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. Psalm 26.3. We should be filled with joy as we uh, realize how much the Lord has done for us, um, dating all the way back to the to our early uh, early settlers. On the inside, we see that some of the comments that they make. Uh, scripture encourage, encourages thanksgiving for the providential goodness of God. And providential is a word that's probably fallen from our vocabulary, but it's um, it's his sovereignty, the, the Lord's essence. It just wraps up uh, everything about our God here when we talk about his providence. Uh, we see the word providence used throughout our history right up until probably about the, well, the 20th century when it becomes less prominent. But we see here Psalm 107. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his mercies endure forever. Mercies, chesed, his uh, covenant faithfulness. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. For he satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness. See, we're talking about our souls. This is a spiritual sustenance. So, as we sit down to fill ourselves with food to eat, we realize that the Lord has already provided for our souls, for our longing souls, and the Bible tells us that we do long for this. It's something that is a requirement in order for us to be soulishly satisfied. For he satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness. Let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving. I like that translation because that's precisely how the Hebrew does it. It will use a noun and a verb. Uh, from Cognates, we call them. They're in the same family. Um, we, we do not believe it's good English. We would try to find another word. But it stresses the importance Let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare his works with rejoicing. Among the first American settlers, the pilgrims were faithful to give thanks, to give God thanks when they arrived in the New World on November the 11th, 1620. And this was part of the Mayflower Compact. Having undertaken for the glory of God and the advancement of the Christian faith, according to the Mayflower Compact, Pilgrim leader William Bradford described their thankfulness upon embarking their ship. Being thus arrived in a good harbor and brought safe to land, they fell upon their knees and blessed the God of heaven, who had brought them over the vast and furious ocean and delivered them from all the perils and miseries thereof, again to set their feet on firm and stable earth. What could now sustain them but the Spirit of God and His grace? And this was after a really very difficult voyage because they were making the voyage late in the year, beginning in September. Very few people would have ventured to leave then, but they did. And it took them several months to arrive, and they arrive in December. How many of you would like to go up and land in New England, just north of Cape Cod, in December and say, ah, let's go. 
And you'd say, let's look for the, fair, the closest holiday in. Or relative. There is nothing there. It's just a shore. And they, it was you know, God's gift. And there they were. Well, the first winter, as most of you remember, was brutal. Uh, they took 50% casualties. 50%. By the way, they stayed mostly aboard the ship, aboard the Mayflower, going back and forth, trying to be established. And 50% of them died. 50% of, you know, if we were in a group and 50% die, well, first of all, it's a military, we're combat ineffective. I mean, we've long passed combat ineffective. You get to 50%. But for us, we'd say, we're going home. Let's get aboard the ship and go back. Nothing could be this bad. But they didn't. They stayed. And the Lord provided for them. One of the provisions is in the next paragraph in 1621. Helped by a native named Squanto, the pilgrims enjoyed a bountiful harvest in the fall of 1621. William Bradford called Squanto, who had been previously, ten years prior to that, uh, captured and taken to uh, Spanish possessions, uh, lands, and then finally made his way to England, where he learned English, and then about ten years later came back. And here he is. Where are you going to find in the New World an English-speaking guide at that time? You could probably go to England now and not find somebody that you could understand speaking English. But there he was. A year later, they were still faithful. They didn't decide to leave, and God provides Squanto. Now, he didn't speak perfect English, but he spoke English to the extent that they understood him. This is astounding. This is astounding. William Bradford called Squanto... An instrument sent by God. Not hard for me to understand. Not hard for me to believe. An instrument sent by God. Edward Winslow voiced their gratitude. God be praised. We had a good increase of corn. By the goodness of God, we are far from want. You know, far from want. I wonder if we would understand what that means. I mean, they were. this was their first crop. It wasn't as if they had done this for 10 years and they kind of got the hang of it and now their crops are increasing and things are uh, more plentiful (laughs) anything was probably an abundance to them and the Lord blessed them and that's how they saw it Winslow also records our harvest being gotten in our governor sent four men on fowling hunting expeditions so that we might after a special manner rejoice together after we had gathered the fruits of our labor, the pilgrims then are going to share their feast. And what they do is they invite the Indians who were ones in that area, and they were friendly. And uh, as best as we can tell from what they wrote, they invited about 90. There were about 90 Indians that joined them. So um, this is a, a large company, and they the Indians... Uh, and it, it lasted a week. The Indians hunted and brought in something like five deer. So they had venison as well as the, the turkey and whatever they uh, had from there, what the Lord had provided. And so this is their thanksgiving. And their thanksgiving was just 
after one year of being there, and I, I'm, sh- I'm sure that their lives were still very, very difficult. It was still probably hardships that we would never endure, would even begin to endure. But for them, it was a marvelous blessing from the Lord. Uh, Thanksgiving in America starts over on uh, the top of page, the third page there. Uh, talks about Abraham Lincoln and his national Thanksgiving holiday on the thir- October the 3rd, who establishes the, uh, uh, has the proclamation and establishes the day. And then down underneath that, and you, you may read that, I have too much to do here, so let's move down to Thanksgiving action steps. First of all, uh, one, if you go clear to the end of that first paragraph, it's thank God for his providence. Thank God for his providential care for us. God providentially sent Squanto, the right man at the right time, with the right skills to help the pilgrims learn to survive. Secondly, thank God for opportunities to share with people. The pilgrims were filled with gratitude for their abundant harvest in 1621, inviting the the natives to a feast. And again, about 90 of them, we we think, were there. Thirdly, thank God for his provision. Later, a drought reportedly reduced the pilgrims to a few kernels of corn per day. But God sent rain just in time to restore the withered crops, leading to a Thanksgiving feast in 1623. So God provides. God not only provides for them, but he provides for us. And then four here is thank God for America's spiritual heritage and for his preserving presence. And those are the prayers that the Family Research Council recommends we pray. And it says that America has a long history of protecting public religious expression. Recently, the U.S. Supreme Court heard oral arguments in a New York case involving the ability of a local town to open public meetings with prayer. Why in the world is this being heard at the Supreme Court? Uh, It's just remarkable now that in order for us to have public prayer, we need to have, it needs to be sanctioned by the Supreme Court. Pray that our Supreme Court justices would rule in favor of the town of Greece, New York, and would uphold the freedom of Americans to look to God for guidance in our communities. And if they don't, then how do we explain opening prayer for for Congress when they meet? It's just ludicrous. We're nuts. We've lost our sense. On the back, we have one Thanksgiving proclamation. And most of you, I don't think you could have missed that this is the 50th anniversary of uh, the president's assassination in Dallas. And his proclamation on, in 1961, October the 28th, I thought was, was excellent. The pilgrims, after a year of hardship and peril, humbly and reverently set aside a special day upon which to give thanks to God. Uh, a very conservative outlook here, we would say. I asked the head of each family to recount to his children the story of the first New England Thanksgiving, thus to impress upon impress upon future generations the heritage of this nation, born in toil, in danger, in purpose, and in the convictions that right and justice and freedom can, through man's efforts, persevere, and come to fruition fruition with the blessings of God. It can happen with the blessings of God. And that's, that is our heritage. That's a wonderful part of our heritage. All right. I have 
just a few thoughts here I'd like to at least attempt. Uh, nice uh, picture here of Psalm 65, 11 through 13 uh, about the bountiful, the bounty that was given to Israel. David writing this, your crown, the, you crown the year with your bounty and your carts overflow with abundance. The grassland of the desert overflow and the hills are clothed with gladness. The meadows are covered with flocks and the valleys are mantled with corn. They shout for joy and sing. So this is the land, the nature, nature that is singing here. The Lord has done great things for us. We are filled with joy. Psalm 126, 3, which is on the front of our special bulletin. Uh, I thought I would, you know, here's Thanksgiving in Afghanistan. And uh, we need to be, we need to remember those who are supporting us and providing freedom for us at a distant land. And we have uh, friends and members of the congregation who are deployed, who are over there currently, so we need to remember them. And I can remember one or two Thanksgiving meals uh, when I was deployed. I don't remember it looking quite like this, but that's, uh, that's uh, I'm happy that they, they have this. Uh, here's another picture uh, taken from... From life, but another uh, looks like they're also getting ready for uh, Christmas. But again, uh, a great opportunity for them to get together and hopefully be thankful for the Lord's protection and His provision. Now, this is a little more what I remember uh, in the times that we were deployed. We were usually, we're, even if we were aboard ship, usually the Navy made sure that we weren't aboard ship when Thanksgiving occurred. We were usually out working somewhere, but they always provided hot chow for us, as we called it. Usually came ashore in vats, and we would have maybe uh, either uh, our own mess kits, because I still had a mess kit when I was serving, or there would be uh, paper plates. And this is was not unusual to go down the line with the paper plate by the vat can. <laughs> You know, getting the potatoes, getting the gravy, getting whatever it was. It was being flipped and flopped out there for you. And then you'd go and sit on the ground somewhere. And uh, it was, if it was hot, it was hot. If it was cold, it was cold. If it was wet, it didn't make any difference. Uh, hot food just hit the spot every time. I remember uh, one of the things that we learn in the military is that the uh, troops eat first and the officers eat last. And I can remember I was in Korea one time, and these stories are probably going to extend the time that I wanted here, but anyhow, I was in Korea once, a pretty cold experience, we were there in February, and um, I was the first platoon commander, but our executive officer had to stay aboard ship, so the company commander was using me as an exec plus the first platoon commander, and when the hot chow arrived, uh, he it was about that time that he needed to send me somewhere to get something. And so off I went at full speed because I wanted to get back in time. wouldn't have made any difference because I was at the end of the line anyhow, and he was right behind me. But got back, and it was. The, 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 it was the end of the line, and there was no more food. There was no more chow. They ran out. And I arrived, and he said, ah, don't worry, Dan. I took care of you. And he threw at me a loaf of Wonder Bread. That was all that survived of this, you know, the locust hitting the, the line. And it was, a, I got a whole loaf 
a whole loaf of wonder, white Wonder Bread. And it was the best Thanksgiving meal I think I've ever eaten. I was so hungry. Ate that. Went right through that entire loaf. I don't know that it was gluten-free. But it was marvelous. Let's look at some principles for Thanksgiving. And I probably have more points than I can cover, but I want to uh, at least give it a chance here. Principles for Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is the expression of gratitude. Thanksgiving is our expression of gratitude. And it's related to grace and favor. As a matter of fact, in the Old Testament, very often that's how we see words are used. Uh, Chen is our Hebrew word, and it means grace, means favor. But it's expression of gratitude related to grace, favor, kindness, and the response to kindness. Secondly, and I'm not going to be going at lightning speed here. I'll slow down a little bit. But gratitude is expressed as appreciation, recognition, and acknowledgement. And we saw that in Psalm 100. Acknowledging who God is. And that's, of course, what the disciples were doing, too. When they saw God's provision. And that's what we'll very often do. We, we express ourselves through that acknowledgement. Acknowledging something that, uh, for which we're grateful. It's also being grateful or thankful. <clears throat> and failure... To be grateful. And there are some who, who just aren't, who are ungrateful or they don't think about it. You know, there was a time when we were taught the magic words, please and thank you. I have no idea if anybody knows what that means anymore. Or the magic words, please and thank you. But a failure to be grateful really is the result of being self-centered, focused on self. You're, you're not focused on what just happened here. Arrogance, being self-absorbed. The idea that what is given is either deserved or, I suppose, some might even consider the gift unworthy. I don't know. But you very often, the person who thinks this way is, you know, thinks, I deserved it, should have it. It's sometimes the focus on the gift and not on the grace of the one giving. And so sometimes, and this will happen with children, and that's why parents drill this into them. They're given a gift, and they're so occupied with the gift that they forget the giver, the source of that gift. Thirdly, gratitude is directly related to orienting to the grace of God. We call that grace orientation. So gratitude is directly related to orienting to the grace of God. And of course, grace orientation begins by understanding that everything that we are and everything that we have comes from God. That is the basis for, really, for grace orientation, understanding that everything that we, we are, everything that we have, is by the grace of God. 
part of this and it's something that I, I absolutely love. It's remembering that we are but dust. We are but dust. And that's what Abraham says to the Lord in Genesis 18. He's about ready to ask the Lord to spare Sodom. And he says, Lord, I am but dust, but I have this request. Now that is a theological statement, by the way. How did he know that he was created from dirt, dust, the ground? Well, it's obviously passed down to them. And that's Noah, or uh, Moses. We'll write about it much later. But Genesis 18.27 and Psalm 103.14 also says the same thing, that we are but dust. I have a question. How worthy is dust? Most of us... Don't even like dust. You know. You gotta dust your furniture. Gotta clean things. Get it off your shoes. Wherever it is. Dust creeps into places where even water can't go. You know, something that's dust proof is really tight. Small particles of dust are smaller than molecules of water. But anyhow, we are but dust. And if someone ever says to you, You're dirt. Well, that's really, again, a theological statement. That's a theological statement. And and you could probably look at them and say, well, you're right. And, you know, I didn't realize that you had such an advanced understanding of theology. I just didn't know you had had it in you. That we deserve nothing... And that there is nothing about us that impresses God. And so, gratitude. Fourth, gratitude is expressed from humility. Genuine humility begins once we submit to the authority of God's word. Because that's where we really begin to lay the found work for humility. So, gratitude is expressed from humility. Genuine humility, which is an advanced on enforced humility, and that's enforced humility, of course, is what we learn from our parents. We learn from our teachers and our coaches, and maybe in the military. Enforced humility. But genuine humility is that which bubbles up from the inside, from your soul, not something that's forced upon you. You simply understand it. So... Gratitude is expressed from humility. Genuine humility begins once we submit to the authority of God's words. We understand that. Fifth, from genuine humility, and that's the abbreviation GH, from genuine humility we can express genuine gratitude, or you might say true gratitude, true thanksgiving. So from genuine humility, we can learn genuine gratitude. And the question could be asked, why? Why? Because we understand that we are nothing. We understand that we are dirt and that we deserve nothing. We understand that we are nothing and we deserve nothing. You know, who are we? We, we lose the sense that we are creatures. 
very often in the Bible we're called the pot that the potter is making that can be shaped in any way that the potter desires. We're just the pot. The pot doesn't tell the potter how to make me. It's a dumb pot. It's clay. That's what we are. We're dirt. We're clay. Well, at least men are. Women might have an argument. But no excuses. But we are also bondservants of our Lord. We are also bondservants of our Lord. He left his heavenly position to come to earth. A fallen world. A fallen world to be scorned and rejected. He went to the cross and died. His life was given for ours. And again, remember that this is the creator and we are but dirt. And his life is given for ours. We could hardly say that that's a fair trade. Can dirt stand up in pride and expect, even demand, special favors or treatment? And the answer is no. We deserve nothing. So six, therefore, capacity for genuine gratitude develops from our understanding of salvation. Our deliverance from a situation over which we have no power. And deserve do not deserve to be delivered. So therefore, capacity for genuine gratitude develops from understanding our salvation. We realize we are totally lost, separated from God, and in His justice we deserve eternal condemnation. That's what we deserve. But, in love, God supplies a perfect solution based on His character. God provides a solution for those who are undeserving. Not based upon us, but based upon His character, His grace policy. Love finds a way. His perfect love finds a way, working with the other attributes of His essence, to provide for us. It's called grace. Seven, gratitude must first be directed towards God and is based on knowledge, not emotion. So it's not just an emotional response. And we have to always come back to this when we talk about faith. Faith is based on something. Our thanksgiving is based upon something. It's our knowledge. So that gratitude must first be directed towards God. As we understand what God has done for us, we begin to have a fuller understanding of God's character. And I think that works so well with our passages today as the disciples understand who this really is and what he's doing. <clears throat> Gratitude is then based on knowledge. It's not based on emotion or sentiment. Sentiment. Therefore, it's a volitional decision. We decide, we choose to be thankful, to be grateful. 
gratitude is the basis for true happiness because we realize we deserve nothing and what we have is God's grace provision. So gratitude is the basis then for true happiness because we realize that we deserve nothing and what we have is God's grace provision. And somewhere along this road of developing true humility, genuine humility, and genuine gratitude, the believer realizes that he should be serving his Savior. Not simply standing around waiting to be blessed or with your hand out expecting God to bless him. So somewhere along this route, we realize that we that God has a purpose for us, that we're here for a purpose. And that in our thanksgiving, which can also be translated as service, which we've seen, we should be serving. It's the idea of expressing our gratitude. And so nine helps us with this. True love elicits a response. And I think some of us have heard this. Well, you say you love me, but I don't see it. And there's some value and truth in that, if not a lot of truth. True love elicits a response, an expression of gratitude to the giver. True love elicits a response, an expression of gratitude to the giver. And of course, our Lord is is the giver, God. And how do we express our gratitude? It's it's an it's a an answer that each of us has to make, but it's also something that's going to be addressed in eternity. Our response to what the Lord has done for us will be addressed in eternity. What was your response, individual believer? And it's sometimes difficult for us to get our eyes off of the events around us. To realize that we have a, a divine purpose for being here, not just a personal interest in being alive. We just need to find that answer. There's a lot of scripture that I could use here. As a matter of fact, I may continue some of the scripture study on Wednesday night. But let's turn to Second Chronicles 29.11, where David expresses gratitude. Second Chronicles... Actually, I don't think Second Chronicles is not it. It's First Chronicles. Turn to sec- First Chronicles. It's the book right in front of Second Chronicles. I figured, I guess, maybe, if you could find Second Chronicles, you could find First Chronicles. Second Chronicles is longer than First Chronicles.
This is David expressing his praise and thanksgiving to the Father. That's a wonderful passage. Verse 10, Therefore David praised, blessed the Lord before all the assembly, and said, this is before them as they are preparing, um, bringing in uh, supplies and provisions actually for the temple because the temple will be built. Blessed are you, Lord. Blessed are you, Lord God of Israel, our Father forever and ever. This is an expression of genuine gratitude. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power and the glory for victory and majesty and for all that is in, is in heaven and in earth is yours, is added, but it's implied. Yours is the kingdom of God. Notice the expression here of who God is. It's an expression of understanding his character, acknowledging who God is. And you are exalted as head over all. You know, David was king. He is the most important person in the kingdom. But he's addressing the Lord and says, the kingdom is actually yours. Yes, I'm king. You made me king. Yes, I have a kingdom. You gave me the kingdom. It was yours. It was yours to give. You gave it to me. Both riches and honor come from you. And you reign over all. In your hand is power and might. In your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. Now, therefore, our God, we thank you. And the Hebrew word here for thanks is Yavah. And it means to throw or to cast. And the sense of this, and it's in the, again, this Hithel stem that means causative, although this is kind of the way it always appears, It's the idea of casting our praise, our thoughts, our gratitude towards God. We thank you and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to offer so willingly as this? I mean, why do we even have a relationship? How can we even approach you, God? For all things come from you and of your own we have given you we're giving returning to you what you have given to us for we are aliens and pilgrims before you as were our fathers our days on earth are as a shadow and without hope I mean, this is the humility of understanding the significance of what God has done for them and being able to express it in this way so that In closing, may your thanksgiving be genuine gratitude to the Father for all he has given you or us, and he's given it to us in grace. This is one of my favorite Rockwell paintings. I remember situations like this where a grandmother, I was out with my grandmother, and she said, we're going to pray in the middle of this restaurant. We're going to pray. So prayer of thanksgiving. And I pray that your, again, your thanksgiving is going to be filled based upon your genuine gratitude to the Father for everything that he's given us and he's given it to us in grace. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we're thankful 
for who you are. We're thankful that we could have nothing to do with who you are. And we have nothing to do with what you provide. Except, Father, in our acknowledgement and in our obedience. We know that you provide even when we are disobedient, even when we are unfaithful. Help us to truly be grateful from genuine humility in our lives, a genuine humility that is based upon the Word of God, what we know about you and what you've done for us. We ask for your blessing upon uh, those who are deployed, those who are in Afghanistan or in other areas of the world that we may not know. We pray, Father, for their safety. We are so grateful for the freedom that we have and the fact that you have provided for us and they defend it. We pray that they would be appreciated by those in authority today who seem to think very little about our military, but we know how critical and important it is. We also pray, Father, for those in our congregation who are either undergoing adversity or testing, stress. We pray for their ability to relax and see in you the marvelous provisions that you have prepared for them, even in the midst of adversity, even when we think we are perishing, you are providing. And we truly do thank you, Father, for the incredible provisions for this nation, how you've blessed us. Help us not to forget those provisions refocus ourselves spiritually on our heritage so that we might once more return to the the thinking of a nation that is built on biblical principles and we ask this in jesus name amen